0: Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Dr. E. J. McKenzie on Blog Talk Radio. This Saturday noon, the last Saturday of this month of February, so we embark upon the month of um, March. Uh, Let us enter into March with the new decree and declare that March will be will bring something and produce something wonderful and great. Uh, for our lives. Uh, We will make march what the heavens has determined march to be. The Bible says all things was made by him and for him and without him nothing consists. So therefore, march was made by him, march was made for him and because of him, march consists. So we make a decision. (laughs) Excuse me, it's like every time I get on this uh, broadcast lately, i got to take authority of that, uh, that if he made March, then we have a responsibility and obligation to bring March subject to the Lordship and the preeminent seal, Christ Jesus. This Saturday will be whatever you make it, whatever you determine that this Saturday will be. I think sometimes when we make these kind of statements, we we make a statement that I determine what it would be, meaning that uh, I will not experience any opposition. I will not experience any persecution. That is not what that is saying. When I say I this day will be whatever I determine it to be, it can be a day of victory. It can be a day of defeat. It can be a day of oppression, depression. It could be a day of peace, a day of joy. Regardless of what may transition this day, I can determine what the day would be. The day will not alter nor change me. Whatever transpires, it will not change me from being a man of faith, a man of God, a man of love, a man of peace, a man of joy, a man of power, a man of authority. The day will not stop me from being who God has created, appointed, and anointed me to be. That's not up to God. That is not up to Satan. That's up to me. That is not even up to the day. It is up to me. So therefore, I determine it. God has given all of us the power of choice. To believe him or not to believe him. Today has been set aside for to communicate sharing the areas of prayer, intercession, and warfare. And the supernatural. As I was uh sitting here waiting for the broadcast to uh go live, the Lord dropped uh, uh something in my spirit. And I want to share uh Uh, with you some principles of prayer, some principles of warfare uh, from the word of the Lord today. My question to you would be, think about it, uh, when you pray, when you war, do you battle? When you battle, are we seeing progression? Are we seeing advancement? If not, then why don't we, uh, do you ever stop and say, okay, let me let me see if there's something wrong with me. Sometimes we keep doing the same thing over and over and over and over, and there's no results, but we don't know anything else, but we keep on pressing. In a in a way that's a form of witchcraft. Don't but you don't know that. Otherwise, you're pressing, trying to make something happen instead of stop and inquiring of God why things is not working, but we keep on pressing. I spent some uh, a little time with my oldest daughter um, this morning, and I was uh, they had youth last night. I asked her some questions, and uh, uh, she was just uh, some principles with me that she got from youth uh, meeting last night. Excellent principles I was hearing. And uh see, then I asked her, "How do that fit for you?" and that is the problem with the majority of us Christians. We love good word, we hear good word we We've been going to church those of over five years. we hear something that stimulates us. man, that's awesome, that's dynamic. that's great. but how does it fit? And she was going to share with me about, uh, Lord, were about spending more time with him. And I just finished communicating with my wife about the same thing, about that same word we use, spending more time with him. And, uh, matter of fact, I think I dealt with that on a Bible study Wednesday night, put a question. And, a matter of fact, it's coming to me now, just say uh, I use illustration with one of our ministers, uh, work for uh, Miami-Dade College. And I said, "What is your time? You think?" She said, "Uh, "A little less than forty hours a week." And I said, "I'm asking everybody a question. She works. She's spending more time on her job than she do uh, off her job. I mean, for as being able to do anything. So, uh, spending time with God. I said, if a uh, can a person that spend an hour a day, and she's working 37 hours, 37, 37 and some hours a, a week, but which one you say that is spending more time with God, the one that spends an hour in the morning before they go to work or an hour at night before they go to work, and the person is, uh, is working 37 and a half hours, But the one that spend that hour, they read their Bible, they pray uh, during that morning, but get up, and they're not conscious of God at all during the day. But this person don't even get up and do, may spend five minutes with God, but is conscious of God all day long. So let me ask you the question. Who's spending the most time with God? The person that uh was there an hour in the morning before they went to work and was not conscious of God the rest of the day, or the person that spent five minutes, but was with conscious of God all day on their job. Which one is spending the most time? Because that's that's a buzzword in the body of Christ. I need to spend more time with God. I need to spend more time with God. And we've been doing this for 50 years, and our lives haven't changed. To me, that is insanity. We don't stop and say, wait a minute, something must be wrong with this. So then we need to understand what it really means to spend time with God. Uh, We don't see uh, um, people in the Bible Old Testament or New Testament, doing what we do. They didn't have a Bible. But they was great men and women of valor. So you can read your Bible, and you can uh, uh, pray, but never become spiritual. And never become spiritual. So uh, uh, the reason I'm bringing this out is because Something is wrong that makes me ineffective. I pray, I fast, I study the Word, read the Word, read books, listen to sermons, watch Christian TV, but I'm still emotionally despondent, I'm easily offended, I still struggle with forgiving, I'm easily angered. Uh, 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 I still lie, Uh, I'm still fearful, Uh, something is, you know, and what is amazing, it was amazing, we know something wrong, but we mask it with those religious, I call it spiritual gymnastics, those spiritual religious activities that is doing absolutely nothing. With me and for me. I shared this with my oldest daughter. I said, think about it. I said, the experience of a thing is better than the non-experience. I said, if you ever get burnt by something, anytime you're around that thing, you're going to be aware of that thing. You're going to be conscious of that. So for you not to get burnt again. So if I don't experience God in my morning devotion, if I don't experience the Lord in my prayer time, it's it, it's nothing. It's nothing. I, said, I shared with my daughter I said, "This is what's going to happen if I experience Him in my morning devotion and I get up, pray, and commune with Him in the Word. If I experience Him that during that time, what happens when I leave to go up my job? In anything that transpires, the first thing that's going to happen." Is the encounter that I had with him, the thing he spoke to me that morning, the thing he revealed to me. Remember, That's the first thing. I, I'm going to be conscious of him, but if I didn't encounter him, I'm going to be more conscious of the circumstance of the situation than him. Are you getting this? This is vital for your progression, my progression, and every believer's progression in God. How many people have said, oh man, that was a good word, that was a good word, that was a good word, but the very thing they said was good, they never experienced, but they said it was good. You know what it's sort of like? Just say you have dinner today and you have a awesome spread. Just say your favorite meal, maybe fried chicken, it can be candy yams, uh collard greens, mustard greens, uh, uh uh potato salad, uh uh it can be meatloaf if you eat meatloaf, it can be uh turkey wings if you eat turkey wings, it it can be uh uh uh, uh barbecue ribs if you eat barbecue ribs, it can be a beef stew if you eat beef, whatever. And it spread, but you never ate not one thing from the table, but it spread before you. And you leave the table and say, that was some good food. That was some good food. Isn't, we say the same thing when the word of God comes up, that was a good word. But you haven't experienced the word yet. How do you know this is a good word if you have not experienced the word? Because that's the mentality in the body of Christ. And that's the the standard in the body of Christ. So we're satisfied hearing a word and not satisfied with experiencing the word. So we are diluted it, the power of the word, the strength of the word. But yet we'll quote the word. How much of the word we quote we experience? How much of the word we have tasted? Taste and see how good the Lord is. How much of that tasted it? And so, so with any circumstance or right situation, you'll laugh at that circumstance or situation. Why? Because you have experienced the word in that situation similar before, and the word brought you through. The word caused you to experience the victory of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And, and and you just look at us and you just smile because you know God is, God, God is big. God is great. God is awesome to you. We know he's great, but is he great to me? We know he's good. Is he good to me? We know he's merciful. Is he merciful to me? We know the Holy Spirit is a helper. Have he helped me? We know the Holy Spirit is a comforter. Have I allowed him to comfort me? Then I become a hypocrite by telling you, how good the Holy Spirit is, but I haven't experienced him. How good that word is, but I haven't experienced the word. And my uh, middle daughter was sharing how God was confirming to her about testing and a devotion. She heard a preach on the radio. Do you... Oh, oh, are we conscious, aware how God deal with us and talk with us? That God is preparing us. He's not. He's not a man. He, he, he's not like men. And, but we. But men should be like him. But and actually, what did? So God confirmed to you several times that test was coming. Yeah. Did you pass the test? She's not laughing. No, because she was tested by me, and she failed the test. But God was preparing her to experience and to encounter Him. If you had submitted to what God was saying in a morning devotion, submitted to what God said through the preacher, whoever the preacher was on the radio, God was talking. That's how He deals with all the. He speaks to us. He don't want you and I to fail. But the tests have nothing to do with the person, the instrument that God is using, and nor even you who's being tested. It's everything to do with him. Him becoming a reality in my life and him becoming a reality in your life. This is how it worked, ladies and gentlemen. This is how it worked for you and I to become the Word of God. The Bible said the Word was made flesh and dwelt among men. So when God speaks to me during my time of prayer and morning devotion, he wants that Word to become flesh. How did that Word become flesh? Through my obedience. When I obey the Word, what happens? then God, Jesus, the word, the living word, becomes a reality to me. Now I have experienced transformation. I've experienced what? Transformation. Now let's look at something. See, so what happens with prayer intercession warfare? Everything. One of the reasons prayer do not work is because, If prayer is not birth, if prayer is not birth, warfare is not birth, intercession is not birth, or maybe I can use the word, the motive behind prayer, the motive behind intercession, the motive behind warfare, if it's not the will of God, then it's witchcraft. And that's why prayer don't work. And that's why intercessional warfare don't work, and that's why demons is not moved. Are you are you are you hearing the Holy Spirit this morning? Now let's go to the scripture and and, and look at something I think is very important in the Word of the Lord. And we're going to look at the Word of God from the life of uh, the first king of Israel. This is the second test of uh, the the king of Israel, the first king of Israel. The first test we'll find. In the uh, 13th chapter, 1 Samuel, the second test here is the 15th chapter of 1 Samuel. This is how everything works. This is how you and I become men and, men and women of God. I didn't say apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. I didn't say that. I said this is how you and I become men and women of God. What is a man of God What's a woman of God? A man and a woman that understands that they belong to God and God only. That's a man and woman of God. But how do you become a man and woman of God? This is what you're going to tell me. Receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. That's true if we understand receiving Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. It's not something you say. It is something you experience. And that is the weakness of the body. uh, One of the weaknesses of the body today is because we are people is satisfied with I receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I repent of my sin, come into my life, be my Lord and my Savior. And from that day until now, they never experienced the one that they received. they never experienced lordship. They have never experienced salvation. They made a confession with their mouth, but they have not experienced salvation. Break down the word salvation. Break it down. Rescue. Deliverance. Okay, that means uh, if I received him as um, my Savior, then my Lord, then I must have experienced, I must experience him as one who has saved me from myself, my sin, which is me. I was born a sinner. You was born a sinner. So, so have I experienced salvation. But the Bible he is a hearer of the word and not a doer of the word, deceives him, so therefore, we have created a system of deception in the body. We just get people satisfied with saying, I repent of my sin, come into my life, be my Savior, and be my Lord, and that's it. And we say, you are guaranteed, i don't say that too, you are guaranteed to go to heaven. If the person die right then, most likely they will go to heaven. But when God give you a space to uh, to live, give you a day, a year, five years, what what is He giving you that time for? To stay where you are in the midst of a confession? Should that should not there be a progression of the experience of salvation every day? And to experience the lordship of Christ on a daily basis. Now, when we get saved, who he saved before. He saved us from ourselves. We used to belong to Satan. Now we we give our life to Him. He's saving us from ourselves, saving us from Satan, the fallen angels, ourselves. Now, let's just break this down. This have everything. See if you notice something. We, we should understand something. Do you notice that warfare is all throughout the Bible, especially Old Testament, natural warfare? Almost every, almost, not all books, almost every book in the Old Testament, there's some kind of battle, war going on, captivity going on. It's uh, always um, uh, some kind of warfare. So, this realm why is there so much warfare? Because the earth is the battleground where the fallen angels and angelic hosts of God is waging war. And human beings is the instruments and the channels of demons or angels or demons or the Holy Spirit. So it's always warfare. You and I, we are going to be in warfare until the day that we die. Well, let's break this thing down because I really want to get into this right here to show you uh, some patterns of things that hinders our success in waging spiritual warfare. Uh, I'm going to start off in First Samuel chapter 15. I may go back if I have time to go back to the 13th chapter to show you the first uh, a place in uh, that... Um, Uh, what's his name, Saul, he missed God. Here in 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 1, Samuel also said to Saul, the Lord sent me to anoint you king over his people, over Israel. Now therefore heed the voice of the word, words of the Lord. What he says, heed. Heed the voice. He said Do what? Heed the voice. What do the word "heed" means? Pay attention to the voice of the word of the Lord. Take notice of what the Lord is saying. And this is a thing that is where so many people have trouble at. And that's why I know a lot of people don't really hear the voice of God. It's amazing. Uh, and we're a prophetic house, so a lot of people have been activated, and they flow. We've prof- got uh, uh, some beautiful people that can really flow accurately prophetically. But you know what my number one concern is with the people that flow accurately prophetically? How they can flow prophetically to give a personal word, but they struggle heeding the voice of the Lord for themselves, receiving a word. They struggle hearing a word that's been given to them. Now, notice what it says It says, uh, Now, therefore, heed the voice of the words of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I will punish Amalek. For what he did to Israel, how he ambushed him on the way when he came up from Egypt. Now go and attack him. Not and it's him, but now go and attack Amalek and utterly destroy and utter what? Now notice he said, take heed. He says and utterly destroy all that they have, all that they have. Do what? Destroy all that they have. And do not spare them, and do not spare them, and do not what? Spare them. But kill both men and women, infant and nursing children, oxen and sheep, camel and donkey. Kill everything. Do not spare absolutely nothing. So the Bible says, so Saul gathered the people together and numbered them and uh, Telam. So he numbered the people. Now, let's go down to, if you will, verse 8. Now, we saw here that instructions was given. Now, this is warfare. Who told Saul to come against Amalek? God. Who was the instrument that God used? Samuel. So when Samuel told him what God said, was it Samuel God? God. Okay, verse 8, verse 7. And Saul attacked the Amalekites, Amalekites, from Havilah all the way to Shur, which is east of Egypt. He also took Agai, king of the Amalekites, alive. Wait, Wait, he did what? He also took Agai, king of the Amalekites alive. Wait, 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 wait. Hold it, hold it. What, what did you say in verse three? Now go and attack Amalek and utterly destroy all that they have, and do not spare them, and do not what spare them, but kill both men and women, kill what both men and women, infants and nursing child, oxen and sheep, camel and donkey. But you just read. In verse eight, he also took Agat, king of the Amalekites alive, and He said, "Don't keep nobody alive. Watch this right here, And he also took Agat, king of the Amalekites alive, and utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. Now please listen to me this is this is the power of warfare. You may not understand the instructions. Because we may have some people that's listening uh, uh, on this broadcast. It says, but but, but that's so cruel. It's so cruel. It says, killed both men and women, infants and nursing child. Women and nursing children. Children that is sucking milk from the breast of their mothers? Isn't that cruel, God? Wait a minute. Hold it. Stop. Who created humanity? God, then who are you and I to question God? This is why you become a man of God and a woman of God, not questioning God, just simply obeying him. you don't understand because you're not going to understand everything that God tells you to do because you are a finite individual. God is an infinite individual. Your mind is very, 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 very limited. There's no limitation with the mind of God. So we see here in the word of the Lord, now going back up here, if you would, to verse 8, and he also took Agai king of the Amalekites alive and utterly destroyed all all the people with the edge of the sword. Verse 9, but Saul and the people spared Agai and the best, not only the king he spared, and the best of the sheep. Did he say not destroy everything? Did he not say that? According to verse 3, ox, sheep, camel, and donkey, but he kept alive the best of the sheep, the best of the ox, the best of the uh, fatling, the lambs, and all that was good, he kept alive, wait a minute, wait, wait, dude. Are, are you all listening to this, are you listening to this, who are me, who are you, God, help us. This is witchcraft, ladies and gentlemen. This is witchcraft. So he kept everything good. That was good. And were unwilling to utterly destroy them. And were unwilling to utterly destroy them. But everything despised and worthless that that they utterly destroyed. You don't see what God sees. To you, the sheep is good. To you, the the donkeys is good. And to you, what was despised and worthless, in your sight, you destroy. Now, watch this right here. Think about it. When God created man and put man in the Garden of Eden, now I want to ask you a question. The Bible says God is light. In him there is no darkness. That means God is love, and in him there is no evil. That means God is good, and in him there is no nothing bad. So now watch this. Right. So when God created man and put him in the Garden of Eden, He put and and put two trees between the man. He put two trees between. The man, he told the man, he showed the man, the tree of knowledge and good of evil. Do not touch. The tree of life. You can eat from that. Was there evil? Was the tree evil? Absolutely not. God cannot create anything that is contrary to his nature. God can't create evil. Because he's not evil. Are, are, Are you getting this? But God said when you partake of this tree... You shall surely die. So was there death on the tree? Was the fruit, fruit with poison in it? Absolutely not. There was absolutely no difference of the fruit that's on the tree of knowledge and good and evil and the fruit that was on the tree of life. You see, it had to be a difference. There wasn't no difference. But what made the difference? A man's obedience and disobedience. The man's obedience towards God, or the man's disobedience towards God, had to do with the tree. There was, there was no evil on the tree of knowledge of good and evil. There was no sin on the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Man sinned when he partook of it had into to the tree, God says simply that don't eat from this tree. This the tree, the tree have no power, no power of life and death. Even the tree of life. There's no power of life and death in the tree life uh, in the tree. What makes the what makes the tree uh uh produce life is not the tree itself, it was the one that created the tree. Because God's obedience is on the tree. If you obey, if you obey, if you eat from this tree, God set a law that you will live and not die. And He has an opposing law. If you eat from this tree, you're going to die. Are are, are you getting this? This has everything to do with your ability, my ability, to take dominion and to subdue the earth. Notice it was something that was created that caused Adam and Eve to sin. Here is something else with Saul. What was created was a gift that God gave humanity. God gave man a gift to eat to partake of his creation and to enjoy his creation. What Adam and Eve did was they began to value the creation. What God created over him who created it. Same thing with Saul. What are you saying, preacher? This is the same manipulative with all of us. Every time you and I have sinned, it's because of, of these principles. So God speaks that I want you to destroy everything. But he made a decision according to the word of the Lord here in verse 9. But Saul and the people spared Agai, uh, and the best of the sheep, the oxen, the fatlings, the lambs, and all that was good. And were unwilling and were unwilling and were unwilling to utterly destroy them. But everything despised and worthless that they utterly destroyed. Now, let's continue to see how this thing worked. Verse 10, Now the word of the Lord came to Samuel. I greatly regret that I have set up Saul as king. I greatly regret this is a place that you and I don't want to come. You you and I, we 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 don't we don't we don't want to come here. We we don't we don't we don't we don't want to get here to this place that God regretted. Now I I I set up EJ as pastor of Panorama Christian Center. I set up EJ as a leader of leaders in the body of Christ. I regret that I set up EJ as a businessman. I regret it. We 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 don't want to come to the place that God has regretted that he have elevated us. I regret that I gave EJ a wife. I regret that I gave EJ children. I regret it that I made him a that's what I gave him children, made him a father. had to do the children, had to do the wife. I regret I made him a husband. I regret I made him a father. I regret it. You don't want God to say that about you. He regretted that he made you a son or a daughter. He regret that he led you to a man of God, a woman of God. You, you 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 and I don't want God to be to regret that He made you a wife and made you a mother because you have abused and misused the position that He anointed you for for yourself and you have become a spiritual witch or warlock because they were unwilling. To do what God told them to do. Are you getting this? Verse eleven. I greatly regret that I have made I have set up Saul as king, for he has turned back from following me. He has turned back from following me. He has turned back from from. Well, how did he? How, wait a minute. What do you mean turned back? How he? How did he turn back from following God? You see, we 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 try to make a deep. We we try to make it huge. Well, it's simple. He said destroy everything, everybody, and everything. He didn't destroy everybody and everything. So he ceased to follow the Lord. He turned back from following the Lord and has not performed my commandments. And it grieved Saul. And he cried out to the Lord all night. Verse 12. So when Samuel rose early in the morning to meet Saul, it was told Samuel, Saying Saul went to Carmel, and indeed he uh, he set up a a momentum monument. Excuse me for himself, and he has gone on around, passed by, and gone down to Gilgal. Verse thirteen. Then Samuel went to Saul, and Saul said to him, "Blessed are you of the Lord." Listen to this, if you will. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. God, help us. Are, are you listening to this? The first thing that God said to Saul, the first thing he said to him, ladies and gentlemen, in verse 1, Now, therefore, heed the voice of the words of the Lord. Heed. Pay attention. Do not be distracted in your thoughts, in your heart, in your mind. Take heed. And this is one of the things I'm trying to teach my children and 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 my daughters. It means nothing for you to do 90% of what is said. If you can't do 100% of what I ask you to do, see, all of these things reveals one thing and one thing only we're going to get to in a few minutes, which is you become a witch. Rebellion is witchcraft, the scripture says. That means if you cannot take heed, See, what my children do not understand, they they, they they hear me teach this kind of stuff, and not only my children, my spiritual children as well. When you cannot take heed, that means something else is more important to you than what I'm saying. You don't really believe I'm a man of God. You really don't believe that God is speaking through me. Just because I don't say, thus says the Lord, it ain't God. Maybe you, it'll catch your attention I saying, thus saith the Lord. Well, according to uh, um, uh, 1 Samuel chapter 15 here, Saul, so Samuel said, thus saith the Lord. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I will punish Amalek. Take heed. He said, thus saith the Lord. And, and what did Samuel do? I mean, How did Saul do? The very opposite of what God commanded him to do. And then he's going to turn around and try to lie to God. Notice what he says here, if you will. Then Samuel went to Saul and said to him, blessed are you of the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. I have performed the commandment. No, you haven't. Wait a minute. Do you think that God is stupid? God is a man? You think you can approach and lie to God? I have performed the commandment of the Lord. Verse 14. But Samuel said, well, if you perform the commandment of the Lord, what then is this bleeding of the sheep in my ears and the lowering of the ox which I hear? I mean, is this spiritual that I'm hearing? Or this natural bleeding of the sheep in my ears and the natural lowering of the ox which I hear? Because if you commanded, fulfilled the command, performed the commandment of the Lord, then uh, there will be absolutely no animal alive. Lord God, help us today. Verse 14 But Samuel said, What then is the bleeding of the sheep in my ears and the lowering of the ox which I hear? And Saul said, They have brought them from the Amalekites for the people. See, all of this right here is revealed that he's really not a leader because he's passing the buck. He's not being responsible. He's not taking responsibility as a leader. He want to blame the people. The people is following you, Saul, God made you king, Saul. He didn't make the people king. He made you king, Saul. That's why I have issues with churches that control their pastors. They manipulate their pastor. If you don't perform what we tell you to do, you're not going to get paid this week. That's satanic, demonic, fleshly, soulish, and it's not from heaven I know I may be losing Some of my radio audience Right about now But I'm telling you The word of the Lord The order of God The order of the kingdom of God So he turns around And, and blames the people A leader And I've always shared My leaders Leaders always take Responsibility Of their areas of ministry Department If things don't go well A leader takes Responsibility it's on me. And a leader should be willing to suffer the consequences because they were chosen. They was appointed. They was anointed. But they want to play the blame game. Adam, where art thou? God knew the devil was talking to Eve. God uh, knew uh, and knew the moment that Eve partook of the fruit and the moment he gets, she gave to her husband. He didn't come to Eve, the one that was deceived, beguiled. He came to the one that he put in charge. So he turns around and makes his statement. For the people spared the best of the sheep and the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord your God. And and the rest we have utterly destroyed. We kept the best to sacrifice. Verse sixteen. God help us. Then uh, Samuel said to Saul, "Be quiet." He said, "In what? Be quiet." I've done it to people. Well, see, you don't never want me to talk. You you don't never you uh, you, you you just want to be heard, but but you, you don't want to hear. i said it to people from time to time. Because I already know what spirit they're operating under. And it ain't the Holy Spirit. The only thing that matters to them is getting their point across. Not, and watch it right, which they want to be, they want to give instruction, but they don't want, never want to take heed. Because if they have took heed, we wouldn't be having these conversations. If Saul had took heed, this conversation would be going on at this present time. Samuel wouldn't have been sent to Saul to rebuke him. Samuel would have been sent to Saul to celebrate him. To give him the accolades of heaven for his obedience. But God sends him to Saul to rebuke him. This is how you know when a person really wants to know God, really want to be in the will of God. And really has been convicted by their sin. This is how you know. When they can when 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 The Spirit of God is articulating his disgust concerning your action. You will not say a word. You're going to be in agreement with God. Everything that you say is 100% true. That's God. I'm I'm, I'm 100% wrong. I just pray that God will be merciful to me. I just pray that he'll be gracious to me in the midst of his correction, in the midst of his rebuke, that he will grace me to be able to be sustained in the midst of his correction. That's a man of humility. We never saw several times David sin, numbering the people. Great famine came. We, we see several times uh, 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 the, the adultery with Bathsheba, the killing of her husband. We never saw David, not one time, try to try to make an excuse and protect himself. But he acknowledged, "I have sinned against my father. I have sinned against God." But just be merciful to me, oh God. Rebuke me not in your sore displeasure. My sins is too big for me. They're too great for me. Have mercy upon me. Humility, ladies and gentlemen. Not Saul. Not Saul. So he says to him, be quiet. And I will tell you what the Lord said to me last night. And he said to him, speak on. <laughs> that kind of even sounds arrogant. Depends on how you take it. So Sammy said, when you were little in your own eyes, when you was little in your own eyes, I know this is God because I was shared something similar to this with somebody today. Similar. Isn't it amazing when you was not, A preacher, you was not a supervisor, you was not a a coach, you was not an apostle, you was not a prophet, you was not a pastor, you was not a teacher. Isn't it amazing? When you wasn't this and you was little in your own eyes. I really want to get into uh uses as spiritual warfare today, but since the Lord is really ministering to us on, on some things. It's, it's all about our our relationship with him, ladies and gentlemen. He said, when you was little in your own eyes, were you not the head of, of the tribes of Israel? And did not the Lord anoint you king of Israel? When you was little in your own eyes. You didn't see yourself as this great man of God. You didn't see yourself as this great woman of God. So I anointed you when you was little in your own eyes. What has happened to you? How have you allowed the position that I anointed you for To cause you to think that you're greater than me now? You're bigger than me who anointed you? You can do what you want to do when it was me who anointed you? It was me who established you as a king? And now you think that you don't have to obey me? God help us. Verse 18. Now the Lord sent you on a mission and said, go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they are consumed. I sent you on a mission. See, ladies and gentlemen, this is how it makes you and I, men and women of God, our obedience. Our obedience can we execute explicitly what God tells us to do, not add into it, not taking it away from it, we see here, Saul did about 90 to 95% of what God asked him to do. He killed up everybody but spared one man, the king. God said spare the king. They killed all of the sheep, goat, uh, lambs that were sick, worthless. But they kept the best alive. All of this it reveals something. All of this reveals something. What God can do with us and he can't do with us. What he can trust us with, what he can't trust us with. And you know why we keep on doing the food, the same old food? Because we, we have brought God down to the standard of a man, a human being. And not just a human being, but a sinner. And, and we think God is emotional. God is not emotional. God means what he says, and what he says he means. It's a reason he's telling you to kill up everything and everybody. It's a reason he sends you on a mission. It's a reason he gave you what he gave you and anointed you in the position he anointed you with. What's this? just if you will? Sent you on a mission, said, go and utter destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they are consumed. Verse 19, why then did you not obey Why, why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? But you're going to tell me, I have, excuse me, I have performed the commandment of the Lord. I have performed the, see right there, screaming, you ain't lying to Samuel. You're lying to God. You're lying to God. We have a question. I'm going to see what this question is. and am going to continue. Yeah. Oh, you can put sand in the pump. pump. Yes. Oh yeah. Yes. Erico three You have a question. Have a yeah. Right. Okay. Erico three or in it. Okay. All seven. seven. What? Yes. Yeah. Okay. The water that's in it. I'm going to spit it out. I suppose it's they, uh, they, they yeah. must have pressed the, press 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 the press button by mistake here. Yeah. And they're not listening anyway. Because I'm him talking to somebody else. <laughs> uh, but he, he says here in the Word of all, Lord, ladies and gentlemen, then he said, Why then, verse 19, why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you swoop down on the spoil and do evil in the sight of the Lord? See, watch it the stuff, the things. That's going to make him important and rich. He scooped down on, he kept that and did not destroy that. The very thing that's going to make you important, the very thing that will make you look like you're important, the spoil. He said, why did you Why did you scoop down on the spoil and do evil in the sight of the Lord? Well, what was the evil? You kept what God told you to destroy But these are healthy animals. They're his animals. He created them. But what make the animals you kept evil is because God assigned them to die. Just like the tree of knowledge and good and evil. The tree itself was good. The animals here is good. But what make them evil when God said don't keep it, don't touch it, kill it. If there's anything in your life that God told you to get rid of that you like, if there's a suit that you, your favorite suit, God said, I want you to get out of the way, you struggle with giving it away. There's a vehicle that you have that God said, get out of the way, that you are struggle giving, giving it away. If there's a piece of jewelry you have that God has told you to give away, that you struggle giving away. If God told you to give it away, you got to understand, ladies and gentlemen, if God told you to give it away and you're keeping that thing, that thing is a curse. It's become a curse. So how it become a curse? It wasn't a curse because God told you to give it away. And you could take this to the bank. God would never take to give something away that God don't have something better for you. It's impossible. Because these are laws. And when, when God told you to give something away, like he told them him him in, in, in 1 Samuel 15, to destroy it all, It had nothing to do with the animals, his obedience, and and, and not only that, it was testing his heart. He valued the creation. He valued things more than God himself. Because most likely, all the other kings around him had livestock abundantly, and he don't come from the smallest tribe. He's trying to gain a reputation. You don't want to be a king, a broke king, not understanding he was to obey God. You're greater than every king in the earth because you got the God who created everything, created the kings, created the king's horses, created the king's army, created the king's uh, livestock, created the king's gold, created the king's silver. God help us today. My warfare and your warfare is, is, is contingent upon him, obeying him. Are, are, are y'all getting this, ladies and gentlemen? Verse 20, and Saul said to Samuel, I can't believe this man. It's just like us. Same thing. But I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. But I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord first time. Now he turns around again, but I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. You tell it the man of God that God used to give you the word of the Lord that you have? He's the one that gave you the word. He wants the instrument and channel that God used to give you the word. I see, if he forgot, because he gave a hundred people a prophetic word, but he forgot your word. He only gave you the word. And what makes Samuel a prolific prophet is, gentlemen, this is not the first time he's prophesied. One of the tests of a prophet, one of the tests that a senior prophet will always put a a, a budding or a protege prophet through is the ability to follow instructions. When you know the prophet, the senior prophet knows, when you can articulate verbatim, the word that comes out of his mouth to go give somebody else a word, you ready now for God, and that is the deception of a lot of people today. You know the Lord spoke to me and spoke. To me, you look at look at their life. Look look at who they're in relationship with. Look at their relationship with their, their mentor. Look at their relationship with their spiritual father. Look at their relationship with their spiritual mother. Look at their relationship with their pastor. If they cannot follow the instructions of their leader explicitly, you God is not sending you on no assignment. The only way you that you can listen explicitly to every word that comes out of your leader's mouth is to have the heart of your leader. And that's the revelation you're going to have the heart of your leader. I forgot, I forgot, I forgot, I forgot. Take heed. You are not going to take heed to someone you don't have their heart. When something else, uh, uh, somebody occupies occupied your heart more than the person that has got assigned to you, ladies and gentlemen, you will become a bona fide witch or warlock. You're not going to take heed. You're not going to pay attention. You're not going to execute. Because there's going to be something else that is occupying your heart than the words. He take heed. And he turns around the second time and, and, and in line to God. I have, like God is, God is a man. I have obeyed the voice of the Lord and gone on the mission on which the Lord sent me and brought back Agai and brought back, did I not tell you to kill up everybody? And you're going to tell me I said, bring back Agai, uh, Agai, uh, am I pronouncing this right? Yeah, Agai Agai king of Amalek. I have utterly destroyed Amalekite. But the people, but the people, took of the plunder, sheep, and ox, the best of the things which should, which, no, no, look at what he said, He's changing. He's being God. Don't know he's being God. who it should have been utterly destroyed to sacrifice to the Lord, your God, in Gilgah? Did I tell you to bring back the best of sacrifice to me? Did I tell you to do that? Well, who gave you the authority to, to change my instructions? Who have given you the authority to take to offer me something that I didn't ask for. That's witchcraft. That's what happened in prayer intercession warfare. We're trying to make something happen that God didn't say. That's witchcraft. Are you getting this, ladies and gentlemen? Let me get ready to close unless we have someone for prayer today. Verse 22. So Samuel said, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings? And sacrifices, as in obeying the voice of the Lord. Only thing that matters to God is his obedience, obeying his voice. Not your tithes, not your offerings, not your sacrifices. The Only thing that matters to him is your obedience. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed than the fatter rams. Verse 23. For rebellion is as the center of witchcraft. Rebellion is as the center of witchcraft. When people struggle executing what the authority tells them to do, you can take it to the bank, the root of this rebellion. When people struggle listening, it's rebellion. He says, for rebellion is the center of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he also has rejected you from being king. Idolatry. Keeping those sheep alive is idolatry. The goats alive, adultery. The donkeys alive, adultery. They became idols. You wanted that stuff for yourself. Your rebellion. It's a revelation of your adultery. You're thinking about yourself, not God. Not God's will, not God's purpose, but yourself. So when you and I go into spiritual warfare, trying to bind a devil, how could the devil be bound if I have idols in my heart? I'm bound. Prayer can't work, demons cannot obey. Demons cannot submit to me because I have rebelled against God. Demons only can obey me in my obedience to the Word of God. And that's why so many of us uh, people in the body of Christ have experienced satanic and demonic and fleshy and soulish backlashes. Demons come back and attack you because you give them a legal right to attack because you're fighting from a position of rebellion, a position of stubbornness, a position of iniquity, a position of idolatry. And these things blocks prayer. It blocks intercession. It blocks warfare. Do we have anybody today, before we dismiss, desire prayer for anything today? Uh, those that's on chat, you have to type it out. I don't see anyone, got quite a few people on chat today that I don't see, uh, if I have a prayer request to do it. If there's anyone that desire prayer for anything that has joined us on the uh, broadcast um, by uh, uh, phone, uh, we can pray, we will pray for you. If not, I'm going to pray a general prayer and then I'm going to release you. Well, I see this person has uh, touched their phone again. This will be, I'm going to see if now. Area code you know, 056 in prayer for something. Uh, I don't know what it is. That uh, concept must be missed. But we're going to pray a general prayer. Ladies and gentlemen. God is preparing us for something great. Please listen to me. You will not be able to keep what God don't give you. What you get illegal. Saul got the donkeys, the sheep, uh, the cattle, all that, all the animals he told to destroy. He got them, but he got it illegally. And what makes it illegal? Because God didn't tell you to get it. He told you to destroy it. So I want to pray a prayer for you today, that God will grace all of us to be willing to give up everything and anything that he has not assigned to us. Anything that we have gotten illegal, that thing can be a beautiful thing, but the very thing, it becomes a snare to us. Because it wasn't gotten under the inspiration of God. Father, we thank you for your precious people, all of those that has joined this broadcast today and all of those that will join us later. I pray right now in the name of the Lord Jesus that the Spirit of the living God will take this word. And I pray for the increase of the momentum of the anointing and the authority and the power of this word to break up our fallow ground, to break up our deep, to challenge our thinking, to cause us to renew the spirit of our minds. Grace us to make the appropriate adjustments that is needed in order for us, O oh God, to be a David, a man that is after your heart and not after things and not after stuff. Father, I pray right now in the name of the Lord Jesus that you will uh, dethrone every idol that we have erected in our hearts. The self-importance, self-exaltation, self-protection, self-elevation, self-pity. Selfishness, self centeredness, self righteousness, self reliance. Expose all rebellion, all stubbornness, idolatry. Expose it, O oh God. Shine your floodlight in the greatest idol that any man and every man has occupied and protected has been self. Grace us to allow the Holy Spirit to lead self to the cross. Forgive us of the times, O God, that that you led us to the cross, but we complained and we mumbled and we grumbled. Forgive us, Lord God. Have mercy upon us. Help us, Holy Spirit. Give us the grace to yield to the Holy Spirit. Give us the grace to to submit to the Holy Spirit. Give us the grace to surrender to the Holy Spirit. Give us the grace to be led by the Holy Spirit uh, to the cross that has been assigned for us. That when we die, then we live. When we give up, then we gain. Let that become a reality to all of us, O God, in Jesus' mighty name. Grace us to lose, O God, possessiveness, uh, possession to everything in this realm. Because it belongs to you, sir, and you only. We thank and we praise you, Lord God, for confronting the body of Christ so you can strengthen the body. We think we're leading us to a place of death that we can experience life and life more abundantly. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Lord God, don't allow us to be deceived. Don't allow us to walk in self-deception. We pray in the name of the Lord Jesus, of the manipulation of this realm, in Jesus' name. We bless you this morning. We magnify you today. Now, as we prepare to depart from this land, but yet not from your presence, go with us and be with us, Lord God. Be our shield, butler, high tower, and our stronghold. Be our all in all. Be our Father. Be our God. Be our Lord. Be our salvation. Be our deliverer. Be our uh, uh, master. Be everything that we need you to be our victor, conqueror, and overcomer. We thank you for it, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. We want to. Uh, once again invite you. We'll start our last Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday prayer line this Monday at 5.30 a.m. So we want to encourage you to invite some of your family and friends out all over the nation, uh, those in California, those that um, in in, um, the Pacific uh, uh, time zone, uh, the Central time zone, the Eastern time zone, other countries, join us. Let us continue to do battle and war and advance the kingdom of God. And I believe God is going to manifest his grace and his favor with you and upon you during this time of um, uh, uh, these last three, Monday, uh, three days, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday of this month, going into the month of March. Let's, cut, let's leave uh, out strong February and going into March strong as men and women of the Most High God that is surrendering our all to the Lord of Lords and King of Kings. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been your host, Dr. D.J. McKenzie with The Master Key. Let the rest of your weekend be blessed, and let it be prosperous, and let it be Holy Spirit-led, governed, control, influence, and persuaded. God bless you. Look forward to being with you on Monday at 6 p.m. God bless you. <laughs>